Maybe that's a feeling of agitation caused by the presence or imminence of danger. Why do you think people believe in ghosts? Perchance, for interest's sake, a deadly game? To the game. On a nation, you should be watching. Oz is a virtual world where people from across the globe can come together online. Many administrative agencies and local governments maintain branches in Oz. Your personal information is safe, thanks to the most advanced encryption system known to man. You're free to enjoy Oz without a care in the world. Hey, let's choose a theme for this summer. How about girls? Perfect, huh? I'll stick to watermelon and fireworks. You are bland with a capital B. <laughs> hey, you want a job? Well, that's kind of what we're doing. We run maintenance checks on Oz. Hold on a second, Natsuki. Maybe I can help you. Really? Hey! Whatever I say. Okay. What are you gonna say? Beyonce? What? No, 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 no. Absolutely not. Just pretend you're my boyfriend, okay? Can't do it. Genji will make a wonderful addition to the family. What am I doing here? Japanese society depends on That's Oz access for everything they're showing. What's going on? Especially when times are rough. Okay, Dave, that's it. Screw you and your college flunkies. I've had enough of this from you and from everyone else. I know what you guys are trying to do. Break me down, drive me out of the force. Well, it's going to take a hell of a lot more than a lame prank like this to get Curtis Mooney to throw in his badge, so fuck you! Over. Did you miss me? 
Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to another Inside Movies Galore episode, where we are continuing <laughs> our power panel, Anime uh, a, a Month, Anime August, and uh, today's uh, film, uh, it was originally filmed in 2009, and it was directed by Momoro Hosada. Uh, I believe that's how, uh, how you say it, uh, say his name. Brandon, am I saying it correctly? Momoro uh, Hosada. Jake would probably do it better than me. <laughs> yeah, I was like, you went to Brandon for pronunciation advice? <laughs> well, I, I, I uh, just so you know, ladies and gentlemen. Don't, don't ask me to do it. I'd probably end up doing it like that guy on Even though Chef in Futurama. Even though I'm the host, uh, uh, animations from Japan are not my forte. So, me hosting this episode will be a new thing for me. So, uh, so if I screw up or mess up any uh, anything, it's on me. <laughs> I thought that was a joke in the pre-show. You're hosting? <laughs> yes, I am. Okay. So... Uh, <laughs> Apparently, this uh, this film was uh, distributed by Warner Brothers uh, uh, Pictures in Japan, um, and uh, uh, the film's cast includes uh, 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 Ryona Suki, uh, Kamiki, uh, Nanama, uh, Nanami Sakuraba, uh, Mitsuki, uh, Ta uh, Tanimura, Siko Fuji. Why well, isn't Jake uh, reading these? <laughs> Ayumu. Saito. I'm amused by the process. <laughs> <laughs> so, here is the information for this film. Uh, a student tries to fix a problem he accidentally caused in Oz, a digital world, while pretending to be the fiancé of his friend at her grandmother's 90th birthday. So... Essentially, this movie is Ready Player One crossed with The Proposal, crossed with that Die Hard movie that has the fire sale. <laughs> and actually, I was going to touch on this later, but um, Ready Player One, Ernest Klein has acknowledged this film as part of his inspiration for Ready Player One. So <laughs> that's pretty fun little little tidbit there. But uh, and more on that later. But, uh, <laughs> but basically, it takes place in a virtual world called Oz, where you could kind of imagine if Google, Amazon, Facebook, Skype, <laughs> pretty much anything was merged together. That's what you'd have. <laughs> yeah. So um, since we have gotten uh, the. What, oh, what it's about all out of the way. Why don't we go to first impressions? Uh, so, uh, Dustin, since you, uh, since you missed last week, uh, weeks, why don't we have you go first? And, and what, what what did you think of this film? Okay, well, when it started out and they introduced the premise, it's like, oh, just come pretend to be my boyfriend. And the her family is like kind of really pushy. It's like, oh, so you two are together, huh? You know, I'm, I'm making gestures that you guys can't see. Uh, <laughs> And it's like, oh, my God, it's going to be one of those. Uh, so a little bit of a, some background story on my experiences with anime. Um, I have a friend who we 
me and another friend kind of pick on for liking anime. It's not ever you guys. Um, and the joke that we make is, it's like, well, all anime is porn, right? Uh, and so it used to, like, really bother him. And there would be moments where we'd, like, it's like, oh, okay, well, just, just pick a show. Just, you know, prove us wrong. Just pick a show that you watch a lot and just show us. And it's like, oh, this one. It says you were watching this on Netflix. And, like, we click it. And the first image we see is, like, some girl with giant boobs, like, tied to a chair. And me and my other friend are just looking at each other. It's like, knew it. We knew it. Uh, and so <laughs> when uh, the premise was set up like that, like, I thought, uh, it's going to be it's gonna be one of those weird ones. And it was indeed weird, but it turned out pretty good. Um, I was really surprised by all the directions it went into. Uh, yeah. It did go a lot of directions, didn't it? Yeah, it did. It, it it actually felt like it was like five hours long. <laughs> it was like, is this Fritz Lang's Metropolis? Jesus. It kind of felt like I was watching Metropolis. Like, I wasn't bored. It was just kind of like... So you think the pacing... I watch the... Do you think the pacing was slow at all? Uh, pretty, uh... I, I thought this was like a... It felt like a 10-hour mini-series. <laughs> what do you think? Um, yeah, it, um... There wasn't really anything that you could cut, like... Pretty much everything we saw was relevant to the plotline. Um, which ended up being, like, very intricate and, like, full. Uh, but it, it felt quite long, even though it, ha it moved at kind of, like, a brisk pace. Well, to be honest, um, uh, this was the first time that I have actually uh, seen uh, this film, but I was kind of preparing myself animation-wise with several other uh, animation watchings uh, before the, uh, uh, this, because I just recently got a, a bootlegged 17-film uh, Studio Ghibli collection. Oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> uh, it, uh, although the UPC Z code is accepted in my movie uh, app, so uh, so go figure. Um, uh, apparently, some releases are crappy enough that they just look like bootlegs. Well, this is, uh, this is printed, and it looks like it would have been uh, bought in a store, and yet we can't find anything, anything much on the company. So, but mm. uh, anyways, I was watching some Studio Ghibli. Um, I watched a few animation features online just to get get like a, a, a more of a feel for different anime styles and. Uh, this one, yeah, I mean, I have to agree, agree with D uh, Dustin. There's a lot of uh, real player one vibe uh, in this, and uh, uh, I mean, uh, this is a virtual wor uh, world uh, based on Oz, which uh, uh, go fi uh, figure is is a land of imagination. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, an imagination land. Well, it is, and. Uh, Except this this world is kind of uh, you have to have an avatar to go into it. So, um, and like everybody has an account, yep. and it's like integrated into all of society, which kind of felt like feels like a bad idea in retrospect. <laughs> <laughs> but um, in any case, uh, there's a young man uh, who, who evidently is friends with this girl, uh, 
and I'm not sure whether the, whether they integrated that you know that the two were affianced right right offhand, but uh, but she just uh, goes and asks him, "Hey, can you come to my ninetieth my uh, grandmother's ninetieth birthday party?" And he's like, "Uh, uh, uh," you know, getting all flustered in the face. But anyway, yep. it starts out exactly <laughs> like those animes that. Yeah. Well, more, more like she's like, you on a part-time job? And like him and his friend are like, yeah. we're, we're doing our part-time job. Well, the part-time job is to go to the country with me. And then suddenly, uh, okay. <laughs> like, All right, what's the gag? <laughs> I have to say that I, I, I really rather enjoy, enjoyed this one. I mean, it had a lot going on. It went in several different directions, and I wasn't sure which direction it was going in. Uh, but uh, once it came about, about it, it, it was definitely unique the way it came about. And uh, for a first-time watch, I thought it was unique. So, uh, moving on to Brandon, what was your, what were your, when, when did you first come across it? <laughs> uh, I came across it when it first came out on uh, DVD, and it's been, it's been a while now. It's been a number of years, hasn't it? Um, it's, it's like 10 years old, apparently. Yeah. Well, not that long, though. It came out on DVD not that many years ago, but I can't remember how many. Um, but I, I remember wanting to see it pretty much right off the bat because I'd heard so many cool things about it, and it definitely has a cover that draws one in. And being a, an actual anime fan, um, and I also enjoyed uh, the other film that I'd seen uh, from Hosoda, uh, The uh, Girl Who Leapt Through Time. So, I had actually been uh, following this a little bit since then, knowing this was coming out. And I was uh, very much uh, impressed by Girl Who Leapt Through Time, so coming into this, I knew a little bit more of what to expect and really enjoyed it. I also got to see it twice uh, uh, recently, once in July and then once in August in preparation for the um, for our top 10 anime movie list, which it definitely made uh, one of those top slots. I really enjoyed the movie itself. It had a lot of cool things about it, uh, developing an imaginative world and um, doing things in a way that uh, really uh, he, he is, uh, the director is capable of doing. <laughs> so, so, in general, a very good first Okay, and, uh, this is a movie that was really only possible uh, in animation. <laughs> it it was definitely uh, I, I would have to agree. Uh, I mean, there there were there were a lot. Could, I mean, Ready Player One uh, did come out and as a as a live well sort of live action film, and um, so. I do think that it could have uh, been done in live action. Uh, it's yeah, it's a couple of different storylines. You can actually present it as a romantic comedy uh, in a lot of as, but with uh, a lot of sci-fi and futuristic aspects. <laughs> yeah, and I, uh, I I I agree. I think either either Spielberg or someone like maybe a Guillermo del Toro or something could do it in live action, but. 
I, I do agree. This is this film is an argument for animation as a separate art form mm -hmm. and not just cartoons. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. <laughs> because that's the way. Yeah. And hey, wait, what was okay. when were you introduced to this film? This one, uh, kind of like Brandon said, he actually introduced me to the girl who leapt through time, and I loved it, and I thought it was a great film, and. When I realized the host of it had a film, I, I don't recall if I heard, I think I heard about it when it hit theaters. I know that it was submitted for Oscar consideration, and that's uh, uh, something I am frequently harped on, uh, that it caught my attention. As soon as I could see it, I did see it. It took me a while to get a copy myself. But I did, and I saw it, and I also watched it in preparation for our Best of Anime Film List. That time, I actually watched it in English, so I've seen it once in English and at least three times in Japanese. So, I've seen it a few times. I've become a very big fan of host of his films. I've seen all of his independent releases, starting with The Girl Left Through Time and going through this year's Mirai. Um, he's a very, very, very talented director. He has a very strong tendency toward family-themed films. Most of his films have to do with family and relationships and family, and that's always something that appeals to me. I, I And again, there's that Ready Player One vibe, which again, I know that this film helped inspire the novel, and I know that there was sort of a cyclical, almost a Mobius effect between this one, Ready Player One, and Sword Art Online, that they all ended up influencing each other. Uh, the novel and this movie influenced the anime of SAO, and the anime of SAO not influenced Ready Player One, the movie. <laughs> so it's kind of, they all tie in together. Um, it, so there's that sort of connection too. But I had not thought of the proposal but now that we're talking about this, I want to see Betty White play the grandmother in the American remake. <laughs> I mean, it really was the proposal. It's like, hey, pretend to be my fiancé. Okay. Oh, we're so, going to your countryside mansion. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, your family owns everything and is involved in everything. Okay. Before we move on to the plot, I'm just going to uh, say, uh, say it out there. Uh, there, Spoiler warning for everyone. We're going to discuss this movie in detail. So, uh, uh, moving on to the plot of the uh, film. So, apparently, the uh, young couple um, is in, uh, well uh, goes to this ninetieth birthday party, and there is uh, a member of the family that has actually been excommunicated for about ten years. Um, and uh, not only that, uh, that but while. Uh, the young couple was there. The young man, I believe his name was Shenzi. Shenzi. Talking about the, the the main guy, the 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 hired boyfriend. The hired boyfriend. Uh, the hired boyfriend's account was yeah. uh, hacked into by a super ultra hacker, uh, and and took over the. Um, the Avatar Land of Oz, so to speak, and uh, so because our because our main ahead. character has like admin and like technician permissions, um, when his account gets taken over, um, the mysterious hacker is able to start 
causing a lot of damage to the, to the infrastructure of this thing, and eventually is able to just take control of Oz. Not to mention the, uh, or it probably should be mentioned, the way this happened is this kid is like an uber, uber math nerd, and this formula was sent out that was the encryption code for the Oz. And he didn't know it. No one else knew it. It was sent out as a, can you solve this? You know? Good idea to randomly solve email that you get out of nowhere. It's a really good idea. <laughs> that always that helps. I think they ended up saying it was about 20-odd people worldwide who solved the problem. I think it was uh, 54. Something like that. He ends up taking the heat for it early on because they actually post his picture on the news. And everyone's like, why did you do this? And he's like, oh, they asked a question. I didn't mean to. It's like, I didn't do it, I swear. And then he finds out, it's like, oh my god, I did it. See you in a minute. <laughs> yes, yes. And then you, you've got the people in the family is a very, 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 very law-conscious and yet very inept police officer. And then we have two little toddler brats who think they're police officers, and they act as spoilers frequently. <laughs> and of course, you've got one family member that works uh, works for the military. Uh, uh, <laughs> another that seems to have something to do with ships. He's <laughs> a fisherman. He owns a fleet. The placement of the movie was actually uh, purposeful as far as where they placed it geographically because in that town, in the actual real town, there, there is a family that has a similar uh, influence that he used as a basis of the current family in the book. I mean, that book in the movie, which, uh, as, as we can see, there's a reason why it has influence because they have little tendrils and everything <laughs> right it's a, the family goes back i think they said 16 generations and they've kind of sort of fallen on hard times they're no longer filthy rich but they still have those tendrils in all these different areas you got the police officer you got the fisherman you got the the doctor you've got the the guy who sells computers to the government and universities you got the uh Secret agent. In high school who's a baseball star. What's that? The secret agent. What do you do in the in the defense force that you can just uh, there's a character who's in like the special defense force and he just shows up with um, this really advanced like truck thing with like a radar dish or something or some with some kind of like antenna on it and they're like what do you do? Like, how can you just take that? It's like, I can't tell you. It's like, oh, all right. I could tell you, but then I have to kill you. <laughs> well, he just says it's classified, but yeah, there are doctors, and it's nuts. Of their defense force, including in Godzilla movies, where they have like zapper dishes that 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 zap people. <laughs> uh, they use the zap god store they have these like laser uh, blasters and things like that 
And so also you should also mention that there's this kid in the family, uh, he's in middle school, who's a uber computer nerd, who is a, uh, Kazuma is his name, he is a very, uh, his avatar is known as King Kazuma, and is, uh, a, a star, if you will, online in the battle, uh, regions, he's, he's, he's uh, martial arts, uh, star of sorts. Um, that, and he ends up, you know, becoming a, a integral to the the plot. And basically, yeah, when they're, yeah. When they're explaining uh, what Oz is, like they show like all the different things you can do in Oz, mm-hmm. and uh, part of the montage is you see this character um, just beating up a bunch of other characters and winning a like the virtual martial arts championships, and that's this kid's character. <laughs> And actually, I think that's worth mentioning. The movie starts with essentially a PSA for Oz. It basically is a commercial for Oz, and 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 it's it's everything feels and looks and feels like an official like press release. But it's a really really good efficient means of world building they basically managed to fit almost everything into that little PSA well yeah and also what seems to be going on is a baseball game for a high school yeah uh, uh, which only one of the family members seems to be watching the entire time <laughs> <laughs> Son that's playing in the game, so... Yeah. Yeah. The world is falling apart around them, and she just wants to watch baseball. (laughs) (laughs) It's her son playing. Yeah. (laughs) Well, evidently, all of these family members are trying to come to this birthday party because evidently the grandmother is, is or her heart is weak, correct? Mm-hmm. So, all of the, uh, all of this goes on at, at an occasion that should have just been an occasion. <laughs> Instead, it became an all-out uh, a movie of, uh, about the reasons why uh, you should do everything together mm-hmm. as a family. Mm-hmm. At least that, uh, that's uh, that's the plot to me. Mm-hmm. So uh, you do have this family as because of what's happening in this worldwide uh, device. Uh, this you know this alternate virtual realm is is falling apart and it's taking the regular world down with it and. Uh, then you get the major, this is the major plot spoiler, is when you have the death of a family member that could possibly have been prevented if this was not all going on. And you get, they kind of split into two camps. Most of the guys in the family are like, we got to take the fight to them and end this. And, uh, not, and Kenji definitely jumps on board with that and says, yeah, we got to do this. We got to make sure it doesn't happen to anyone else. And the most of the women are like, what are you doing? You're playing games. You're wasting time. We need to, you know, 
we it's not an exact split, but that's kind of how it ends up playing for a little while. They all think it's all silly in games, and they don't really realize the stakes until later on. <laughs> the hacker is going to like destroy nuclear facilities with right. essentially an <laughs> orbital bomb, and they're like, but it's a game, right? No! You idiots! No. No. <laughs> yeah, that that moment when they took the... Uh... Ice that they were using to cool the oh, supercomputers, trying to cool the world. Then we need the ice for something important. Uh, y'all aren't doing anything important. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like that moment in uh, in Christmas Vacation. You're not doing anything constructive. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's that's one thing that I was uh, getting too, kind of like a national lampoonness in the family, you know, kind of like a like everybody's everybody's odd, and yet you know everything works at the same time, you know. <laughs> Don't they get along a little better than the Griswolds? Um, <laughs> yeah, they certainly pull together when it counts. Uh, it just it took a while to get there. They only uh, they only really fought with uh, the one guy, uh, whereas the Griswolds kind of always fought against each other. And like you get you get the feeling with the Griswolds that everybody kind of hates everybody else to a degree, um, but not here. Like this is a very big, very close family. Like I didn't even bother trying to remember people's names because they say them once, and it's like, oh, well, this is, and then there's like two minutes of names because there are like thirty of these people. Not only that, but this family has history. A joke. Did you get that? Did you get all that? Like, yeah. <laughs> this family has history, apparently, too. Because apparently, their great, 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 great grandfather fought in a in a war <laughs> where they uh, they apparently were like samurais of some sort. Uh, yeah, they had a like they have. Their family history goes back to feudal Japan, and they have, like, artifacts, they have antiques from feudal Japan just lying around the house. Uh, I think my favorite scene in this kind of deals with that, um, because I'm, I'm sure we'll discuss it in more detail, but um, one character hears something, like, really upsetting, and they kind of look around, and they go off to a corner, like, full of junk, and they pull out, like, a Nagi Nada and come after somebody with it. <laughs> it's just like, you... Fuck, we're where's like, oh here's this you know medieval weapon that we just this real medieval weapon that we just have in the corner it's like yeah yeah so battle tops the naginata the way that uh, the way this thing is I mean a lot of it looks like when you look at plot that this is uh, going several different directions. But it all connects at the end. Everything, including the hacking program, is connected to this one storyline. It really is one storyline that appears to be in five or six different places, but at the end, you realize it's all in the same basic concept. It's all about this family. It all comes back to the grandmother and her connection to her family. And uh, that's pretty cool. Uh, uh, 
I mean, uh, to think that that her and her connection with the family uh, even connects to almost world annihilation. <laughs> I thought it was kind of cool how everyone in the whole world backed Nats uh, uh, Natsuki or uh, Natsuki or yeah, uh, when she uh, and then uh, that uh, that was kind of cool uh, how the whale was like a king uh, avatar or what whatnot and gave her like a, 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 a cool unknown artifact, which I uh, sure, cool. uh, I'm not even sure. If we figured out what the unknown artifact was, for a little power. bit of background, during that opening montage when they're just talking about like what Oz is, they show these two large whale things. It's like these are what exactly did they call them? Like the gods, gods? the kings. They call them the guardians of the uh, of the uh, of Oz or the the gods. The godparents of, god of Oz? They're basically a blue whale and a pink whale wearing crowns. This is this is anime. I mean, yeah. you know, you had to have something like that. Uh, and as soon as they had that part, I was like, well, that's going to be important later. Uh, and they show up to help during the like final battle. But it would have been nice to know a little bit more about, like, what was that anyway? I always liked how they called him Johnny Yoko. It made me wonder how many Beatles fans uh, were upset by that. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't even catch that. That's great. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, (laughs) things like that they could be considered nods to various. you know, things here and there. And actually, one thing that I do like very much is how they use the very Japanese game of Hanafuda as a, uh, as a, uh, a thread through the whole thing. I don't know crap about the rules of that game. And even having watched the film four times, I don't think I know the rules any better. <laughs> I like how integral you to just the shout plot. that and you win. That's that seems to be how it works. It has something to do with you. You increase your point values or something. It's like I, I'm not sure how that works, but uh, this makes at least two shows that I've seen where you get a uh, the show Tiaifuru being the other one where you get this very uh, traditional Japanese card game that ends up being integral to a, a good story. And I, I find that kind of interesting. The fact that the cards look cool kind of helps too, but you know that's <laughs> the whole casino sequence actually really is a visually impressive sequence. I just there's a lot of visually impressive sequences, but I think that one really was one of the good ones. But <laughs> but I guess we haven't really got to the art yet, have we? <laughs> oh no! Like this is this is sort of a difficult discussion because this movie had so much going on at once. You know, it's kind of hard to like. Pick something so and stick with it, you know? We haven't really done much. I know y'all have mentioned there are a lot of characters, but we haven't really talked much about the characters. Well, and there are some really important ones. There are some really, like... I think we, we touched on Kazuma, touched a little bit on Kenji and Natsuki, who are the main two. Which, why don't we talk about them yeah. as a whole? I was going to say, there's four to five that I would consider important, and that's only if you consider Love Machine a character. Uh, yeah. Which, 
in a way, Love Machine is a character. It is the virus that that's taking over, uh, and it does have a will of its own. It's and the creator, and then of course the grandmother, and then the uh, two main teens, the two teens at the center of it all. Really, those are the main ones that the story revolves around. The rest of the characters are more supporting cast for that group. Well, <laughs> at least that's one, my. Oh well, yeah, and the there is one though that I do want to mention: uh, Manske Junochi, who's played by Ichiro Nagai, who is one of a great, great voice actor. He's been around for years, but he's the fisherman. And I think he's notable because he's that crazy uncle. You know what I mean? <laughs> like he is the one that at the family gatherings he tells all the long-winded tales, and and that's actually you get a lot of the background for the story because of him doing that. And so I just thought that was kind of an interesting uh, little way of doing that. Um, and then of course when they realize the threat that the virus or the AI has. He is one of the first to say, we need to do something, you know. So it's like, so he was one of the more notable ones. But yeah, the main ones, you've got Kenji's kind of a, he's kind of a weakling. He's kind of a, a boring, average, everyday guy who lucks into an opportunity to be something more and actually rises to the challenge. I guess that's probably the best way to put it I can think of. <laughs> Oh, and uh, he is very unique because he can he can work out uh, codes, and algorithms like nothing else. You know, I mean, he he can definitely figure out the, those codes fast enough before uh, before the end of the world hits. <laughs> yeah, so. that was, uh, <laughs> I don't mess so good, so I. I guess I gotta be impressed by someone that can. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, what do we think about Nasuki? Hmm. Uh, she's the girl. also kind of a she's kind of a regular girl too. She's not really anything too strange. Uh, she pro she eventually proves to be a master of Hanavuda, which becomes important. <laughs> but uh, and she's a little, you know, a little. Capricious, a little flaky. I mean, that's why she hired a guy in the first place. <laughs> but and a lot of it's her connection to her. What is it, uncle? I can't remember whether it's his uh, great uncle or some such thing. I mean, that uh, that uh, that shows. I feel like a lot of the uh, supposed farce that she puts forward is sort of a way to still mask her uh, continued um, interest in him. Mm-hmm. Which, uh... Oh, yeah. you can, you can normally also... I hate those character types in anime. Because they usually come off as much ruder, much nastier. But she actually came off as pretty, uh, solid for a character. Which, uh, I have to give them props for that. Well, I was gonna say, the two of them actually grow a lot. And you could almost see this as a little bit of a coming-of-age film for them as well. Um, just kind of, uh, kind of cool. Um. <laughs> well, I know that, uh, that their, rela uh, their relationship became kind of strange when, the, uh, when, the, uh, when, uh, like we said, that uncle, uh, that 
she really, really uh, liked and enjoyed uh, uh, or hadn't seen in forever, which at first uh, I thought her excitement was a little bit more than just excitement. Uh, you know, um, uh, maybe, maybe I'm reading too much into the relationship, but uh, it almost uh, seemed like, especially during the ga a game that they, uh, they were playing, Kenji, her, and um, and the uncle, um, it seemed like their relationship was a little bit more than uncle and, I don't know, <laughs> uh, niece? I think she wanted it to be more. I don't think that they were trying to apply anything. Okay. Yeah. I think Gay just kind of, you know, I think he humored her. He liked that one person in the family didn't hate him. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's something that they play a lot of in a lot of anime, but they play it in others in other tropes. It's not anime as well. Uh, I mean, the young girl who is impressed by the uh, dashing older relative and wanting to get their attention, uh, wanting to uh, get you know kind of misplaced feelings. Uh, almost an Electra complex, uh, so to speak. Okay. Uh, uh, that's something that's fairly common. Like I said, usually they make those type of characters the uh, Sundere-type characters, which mm -hmm. this person was not. And Sundere is sort of a, a character type. There's different character types that they put anime uh, uh, females into. And Sundere is a type that is kind of rude, standoffish, hiding their feelings behind a lot of anger a lot of the times. Uh, the kind of people that tend to abuse the ones they love. Um, I'm kind of glad they didn't go that direction with her. Right. Okay. I mean, a uh, good example of one that I remember from the the oldest one I saw was um, in a series called Ranma One Half, uh, which had uh, a character named Akane, which is one of my least liked characters in anime. Not not as much hated as, as some, but uh, she uh, was, of course, majorly uh, in love with the uh, family doctor, which, uh, of course, unfortunately, her fiancé tended to bear the brunt of a lot of that anger. Faded <laughs> okay. uh, pretty but, quickly. Uh, but anyway... <laughs> I mean, I mean, uh, I don't know if you uh, you would agree with me on that concept, but I think that this has a similarity in uh, in I that. Think they're far better poster children for that character type, but I know what you mean. Like they could have fallen into that trap, and they didn't, and that's good. The closest they came to a stock character that annoyed me, and he did annoy me, was the cop. Uh, oh God! What was his? He was that smart. He was not smart. <laughs> he was the one who took the ice from the supercomputer. Almost <laughs> burned the whole friggin' building down. Almost. And, and, and also allowed the AI to get loose from the trap they had set. Because he thought their grandmother needed to be kept cool, which is a, a nice concept, but he really should have talked to someone first instead of trying to noble on his own. Is that a trope of saying that cops are stupid? No, no, not necessarily. But the idea of he had the hots for Natsuki, so 
So sort of the 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 quote unquote rival who has no real shot but acts as though they do. I don't know if there's a specific name for that, but that is a trope I've seen a few times. But he wasn't related to the family at all, was he? Oh yeah, cousin. He was related to the yeah. So I guess cousins are okay. There's a lot. There's a lot of this movie that makes no sense. Uh, unless you know a lot about, like, Japanese culture. So I was kind of totally lost during a lot of those parts. And <laughs> I feel I feel like the way these... Like, what's... There's a lot of places in America where a second cousin would be behaving that same way. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. like, yeah, that. But I, I was referring more so to, um, like, the way people, like, regard each other. Oh, um, yeah. And especially with that... Um, with the game that they keep playing. Right. Well... I mean, Boy. if you think, you think about it, and I, I'm I'm from um, a uh, a southern family, uh, so to speak. So I can understand the concept is not that foreign to me how they interact, uh, where you've got a bunch of people who interact around a uh, matriarch, so to speak. I mean, we had that same type of structure when I was a child. And then when the matriarch uh, passed, then the family kind of went their own directions and scattered. Mm-hmm. But this, uh, but the structures were very much the same. They had their games. I mean, our game, for instance, was a good example of the game for our family was Canasta. Uh, you weren't allowed to learn the game until you were of a certain age, and then everybody in the family was taught this game. I I think I was taught the rules to it, but I don't know how to play it anymore. Um, but th- that's just a, an example. Uh, so there are American examples that are similar to that, uh, in my opinion, uh, to this family and to their structure. Uh, if you have big enough families that have managed to hold themselves together, and there are family. Not everybody's like that, including in Japan. They're not fam- They're not always families that hold themselves together quite like this large family. And, and that, uh, that was because Kenji actually points that out when he's getting ready to be led off to in handcuffs by the stupid cop. <laughs> he takes time to talk to the grandmother, and he's like, "I live with my father, and I'm alone most of the time, and this is." totally different than anything I've ever experienced, and thank you, I thank you, I, I enjoyed this. You know, and, and, and I think everyone was very, uh, they're all like, oh yes, thanks for coming. Cyber terrorist, go to jail now. <laughs> After they try, uh, tried to lynch him, right. it, it, all in that room uh, for being that cyber terrorist. <laughs> That was a fun moment. They're just like staring at his picture on the news, like, oh, right. there he is! Get him! <laughs> right. Do what now? Ah! <laughs> but, um, but yeah, they do make that point. They do draw that parallel of, of or that uh, contrast, rather, of the big versus the small, the, the kind of the centered family versus the more disconnected one. And, um, yeah, like I said, I thought that was. Pretty well handled. Hmm. Okay. Um, and of course, who is the matriarch, who is a fun character. <laughs> uh, 
like you said, I could. Oh man, now I got to see. Now I definitely I can see Betty White playing. That would be so great. Are there any other characters that we have not mentioned that that we um, may like to bring to light? Well, there are a lot of them, so that's kind of the problem. Did we talk about the great uncle? I mean, so to speak, and uh, and Love Machine. Really, they go together. Well, yeah, we talked about his relationship to um, her, but of course, we didn't talk about his relationship to the family. I mean, he kind of shows up, uh, kind of out of the blue, and it's obvious he's not welcome. Well, but apparently, nobody... apparently, there is a story that apparently, while the grandfather was still around, there was some money involved, and he stole the money. And uh, apparently, uh, as we find out later, he used the money to fund his project, which uh, ends up being Love Machine. But the military, as we know, got involved and used it for their own gain. That's, <laughs> um, that's actually that big reveal that I was talking about. Um, he confesses that he created the AI, but has essentially taken over and crippled the internet. Um, mm-hmm. So he sold it to uh, the U.S. Defense Department, and the and they let it loose as kind of like a test run. It's like, okay, let's just uh, put it out there and see what happens. Um, and a good idea. it got completely out of like it's ba- it basically becomes like Skynet. <laughs> uh, but uh, anyway, so there's a scene where he's confessing to all this, and it's like they paid me so much money. Like our family can be like it was. You know, back when Grandpa was alive. Better even. And Grandma's like, you did this? And, like, she just has this, like, look of rage on her face. And then she goes, like, over to, like, the samurai armor and, like, pulls the Naginata, like, out of, like, a pile of, like, other gear. And, like, mm-hmm. takes some swings at him. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, the f- and the funny thing about it all is, uh, yeah, just looking at... Uh, Love Machine itself is a, which is a funny name for that, but the fact is that she was, of course, mad also because it turned out that he didn't run away with the money, um, which, of course, as we said before, spoilers, uh, but that um, that she herself had given him the money. Well, but, actually, yeah. that was never fully revealed because she got angry with him uh, 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 now she never, uh, she never said that she did say that. He was under the, uh, the assumption that she gave it to him. Everybody else was under the assumption that he stole the money. So I don't, I don't know whether that was revealed or not. Well, I got the impression that the grandfather had made some bad investments, and that the family felt that that was where the money went. And that the grand, yeah, the grandmother had given him a little bit. That was the impression I got. But yeah, that was what be, I got too. Yeah. Okay. But, uh, so yeah. I thought that she was angry at him uh, uh, because uh, she was under the assumption that the money was stolen from the grandfather in some way, shape, or form. Maybe she didn't know the entire story. I think it was more because he disappeared. Like, he was gone for a while and basically just left, you know. So it was like... Well, she was, she, she was on the phone all day uh, calling people she knew, like, in positions of power to try to help, like, mitigate the damage that has been done to just 
the complete just the infrastructure of the country by the AI. And then it's like, oh, you made this? You know, using my money, you did this? So that was why I felt like I got the impression that they had just given him the money either, too. So um, that was why I think she reacted like that. Okay. It's like, because she's very clearly upset by all this stuff that has happened, um, which it's been just a total nightmare uh, with every, with like utilities being shut down or worse, like rerouted and sabotaged. Mm-hmm. Uh, and oh, so it's just kind of like you're responsible for all this chaos, you know. And, and yet, uh, it, and yet, on the other hand, he probably didn't know what the military would do with it after the, after he sold the technology. You know, uh, that's that's another thing, which is why I, th- I think that Natsuki um, reached out to him after her death and was like, "Well." You, you realize that grandmother is dead now, you know? And he's like, she's dead? And so he races over to the uh, home, crashes his car, <laughs> and ends up helping them in the end. So, but, um, what do we think about um, the message that she gave, uh, that the grandmother gave the family? That was a that was a cool thing. Like it was a lot of things that needed to be said, and it like set the tone for the rest of the movie. It's like okay, everybody come together. Right. Yeah, I agree. Um, uh, actually, it, it was to me the impressive part started with the, what the grandmother was able to do, but it really impressed me what they were able to accomplish even after her death. That uh, that to me is the epitome of it because in many cases when somebody like that passes I mean, just in my own family for example when that matriarch passed the family scattered but that didn't happen here they pulled together and moved on yeah definitely And like I said, there was initially that reaction of they kind of retreated to their own corners, but eventually they pulled together, and once they did, yeah, they got stuff done. And yeah, yeah, when someone passes, that's not always, that is, well, it's probably very rarely an easy thing to do. So that's, uh, yeah, definitely impressive. And uh, I like how she specifically told them not to have uh, a really sad funeral and all that stuff, and they ended up pulling through on that as well, and that was pretty cool. I'm sure some of the people who showed up in black were probably like, why are these people so happy? <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. Well, they essentially split into two groups, really. It was the group that was focused purely on the funeral, and we need to make these arrangements, we need to do it. Right. And then there was the group that was focused on fighting Love Machine. And technically there was the one that was watching the baseball. But she was technically <laughs> grouped with the grandmother group, at the, uh, for the most part. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, like I said, though, once that letter was read, that really did help. kind of, And, and Wabsuke coming back uh, and all that, that kind of kicked everyone into gear. But, um... 
Yeah, it was kind of fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess. Uh, so, uh, is that all the characters that we want to bring up? I'm, I'm thinking at this point we'd probably get on to the production aspects. What do you all think? <laughs> yeah, I, I think so. I'll, well, there is one last thing I wanted to say was they don't really say what uh, the guy who developed the AI, they don't really say much about, like, you know, what he d does or, like, who he is because um, he lives in America. And at the end of the movie, there's a news broadcast where it's like, oh, he's a professor. And it's like, oh, okay, so he's kind of doing great. Uh, so, because the way people were, were, like, regarding him, it was like, oh, are you some kind of, like, criminal on the streets? And it's like, no, he's a fucking professor. <laughs> well, the thing about him, he cut himself off from the family. And, right. And, uh... But really, I mean, one of the biggest defining scenes for him was when he was at the airport and he had that flashback of him and uh, and the grandmother at the airport way back. And he ended up turning himself around after getting the phone call to come back. I mean, he yeah. could have kept going. He could have left. But... Mm -hmm. Everybody would have probably died. <laughs> <laughs> There's also the, the little thing that um, Natsuki is the one who gets in touch with him, and I think he had left his phone behind by accident um, or something along those lines, and either that uh, it, but she, so she got a hold of him and she was trying to figure out the passcode to open it, <laughs> and she finally did, she finally called him, he's like how did you get in touch with me? And she's like, you didn't forget it was grandmother's birthday. That's the passcode to your phone. <laughs> so it's like... What's that? Which he had evidently left there somehow. So that's what I'm saying. Like, that did show that he did care. Yeah. And, of course, she was able to reach him, but yeah, I, I do think that he, he kind of was halfway there on his own, probably. He didn't really want to leave. He felt pushed out. So it was like, yeah, when they needed him, he was... He was an interesting character. I do think there was a fair bit of development there. It does take a while for some of it to show through, which kind of helps you to see the family's point of view early on, I guess. But, yeah. So what do we think about the special effects of the animation? Mm, pretty good. Those fight scenes that they had between uh, Love Machine and um, and the other guy, I mean, some of those things that they did in Oz were really well done. Yeah, mm -hmm. I always but, really liked those fighting animes, and I was like, okay, yeah, I'm familiar with this. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> this, uh, the film is, in terms of the basic art for the most is very typical of Hosoda's films. He has a very distinctive art style. It's very typical. Um, it kind of has a little bit of a Ghibli feel, but not really. It, it's kind of a realism mixed with a little bit of anime exaggeration, if you will. Uh, but Oz was mostly CG, and it was very bright and colorful. 
and it was a very different look from the rest of the movie, and so there was no question of knowing where you were. <laughs> and I think a big part of that was more than any other film he did, he worked with Madhouse Studios on this, and Madhouse is known for that kind of uh, vibrant, crazy production, if that makes sense. Uh, <laughs> so I think there was an interesting... And apparently Warner Japan actually was a production department on this, so I wonder how much of that was due to Warner's influence. Um, could have been that they gave him a higher budget uh, to play with. Um, well, what's interesting is that the real-life city of Uida, which was used for the uh, setting of Summer Wars, mm -hmm. um, it, 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 uh, it was part of the territory once governed by uh, the Sonata clan, and it was close to uh, Hosada's birthplace in Toyoma. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. so, so I think that was by design. And again, I think that they had uh, picked that particular city, uh, I believe I'd read this, uh, to try and uh, because of that particular, well, that particular plans. Apparently, he based this family uh, uh, over the uh, from the Sonata clan, which was based after a family called Genauchi, uh, mm -hmm. which uh, which he had uh, he had uh, visited his then fiance's home in Uida. And I think her fiance, his fiance's family, was part of that family. <laughs> so, well, Dinucci, of course, is the main family name in the film. But um, I had also read that, or heard rather, I saw an interview that came on the disc I had, where Hosoda said that one of the inspirations for the film was meeting his fiance's family for the first time. Yeah. And that was part of the whole bringing the fake boyfriend, or it could have been a real boyfriend, I guess, but bringing the boyfriend into this great big family gathering was partly based on his own experience because he wanted to capture that feeling of being an outsider in this <laughs> totally different world. <laughs> well, I... I thought it was kind of cute how at the end um, the family uh, uh, wanted them to kiss and, uh, and he, he was like <laughs> and then, and then, uh, It's like, why aren't you dating? No, why aren't you married? And they're like crowds of family members are like pushing them into each other. <laughs> and he passes out from a nosebleed but she goes ahead and gives him a little peck. <laughs> it's like, how different would it have been if his friend had decided to take up the job Instead of him, <laughs> I was worried that uh, uh, that uh, the I was worried that the boy that uh, that was the uh, the hacker that ended up be, being that martial arts avatar uh, was going to end up being a girl or something like that during the film. Uh, film at first, but uh, uh, because it seemed like them two were getting along, you know. So, well, I, I, well actually, it was a girl who voiced her uh, voiced yeah. him. In, at least originally, Mitsuki Tanamura. Was it a girl in the English tab? I can't remember. Uh, I, I usually know. do that for, like, younger kids. 
It was, uh, but it was kind of funny because I swear when I watched it again in July, mm -hmm. I swear I misremembered it because there were there were tropes like that in anime where there was the character and you didn't realize it was a girl. Well, matter of fact, uh, in the last week's episode uh, where we talked about a silent voice, where one of the characters they thought was a guy ended up being a girl at the end. <laughs> Yes, Cosmo was voiced by a female in both the English and the Japanese version. <laughs> so, yes, that's... Uh, but, but actually, yeah, one character we missed was the friend. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Sakuma, I think it was. Too many Sakuma. names, man. Yeah, so he yeah. was basically the, uh, the other computer nerd who wasn't there on site, but was helping them all along. Yeah. As, yeah. So he was tech support for their... <laughs> <laughs> I really didn't think he was that big a part in it, other than maybe a, a provider of exposition for Oz. A little bit, yeah. And uh, he, all he didn't work yeah. that much. He was a little bit at the beginning and a little bit in the middle. And that he was didn't about even it. Have, he had a very old school pixelated avatar. Which I, I did like his avatar. <laughs> I thought that was pretty sweet. <laughs> but, um, and then as far as other production things, uh, the music overall was pretty good. Um, I thought it was pretty solid. Um, in theme was nice. Not anything right home about, but it was nice. <laughs> Let's see, score was by, who was the score by here? Let's see. I don't know. I actually like the uh, ending theme that they had for this. I yeah. can't remember the name, but it was really... It was a fun one. It was enjoyable. Um, which, yes, uh, literally translated as Our Summer Dream. Let's see. Hmm. Anyway. I don't think of other important production stuff, but... I mean, the, the music itself, I thought, worked well. I mean, uh, to me, uh, to me, it fit what was going on. It, it accentuated the right parts, and it executed it well. I'm not sure whether, I mean, the theme itself was kind of cool to have, um, but otherwise, I didn't really feel like it was something that I would necessarily listen to on my own, other than maybe the, um, maybe the, uh, maybe the themes themselves, like the, um, the actual songs that they, uh, put in there, but, uh, as far as the music itself, I'm not sure I would necessarily listen to it on that one. The music was done by Akihiko Matsumoto. So uh, I don't know if that uh, it bears any uh, reference to uh, to anything that you guys might know. Um, but um, yeah, I didn't even notice the music really. He does not have a whole lot of credits, according to A and N. Not much at all, huh? So maybe he does more live action work, or I don't know. What about y'all, Dustin? I know that you, uh, of course, Katie's not here because, uh, but she's the usual one that listens to the music. But you also tend to listen to a lot of the background music. Did you have any uh, notes on that? 
I actually didn't. Um, like, for whatever reason in this, I was I was so engrossed with the story, like, I didn't really notice the music. I mean, there were some, I think there were some, like, dramatic moment themes that they had, like when Grandma died. Um, mm-hmm. And that was, I remember, but, uh, man, this is kind of hard. Um, I think I remember, like, that piece. Like, the music, the music, like, blended in to everything. Like, I wasn't aware of it, but it was, like, subconsciously, like, setting a mood, I guess. Right. Well, I, uh, I kind of punt on that one. Uh, well, here's something that might be interesting uh, uh, for you, Dustin. Uh, the, uh, the, uh, the guy behind the music, he also did uh, music for Resident Evil Outbreak. <laughs> you know, I have not played or seen any of the Resident Evil stuff out there. <laughs> yeah, I figured uh, since uh, you being which the- is uh, surprising to say the <laughs> least. Well, it is an interesting notion to realize, at least, that, that he had mm-hmm. something to do with the music behind the game. So, mm-hmm. but uh, other than that. Um, yeah, I, I wasn't real. Uh, I, I wasn't really paying attention to the music uh, uh, either. I, I probably would pay attention to it a second time, uh, time uh, 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 a, a second watch because I would watch this again in the future mm-hmm. because, because because of its a resemblance to Real Player One, which was a phenomenal film. So, mm-hmm. um, it's over there on the shelf. I just haven't gotten to watch it yet. <laughs> Oh, you haven't seen it yet? No, like, I keep having... It's one of those things, it's like, okay, we're gonna watch it tonight, and then something happens, and it's like, oh, yeah, like, and I forget, like, I bought it, like, the day it came... I bought it the day it got released, uh, and it's just been over there, like, in my giant pile of stuff to see. Well, after Um, with your pile of stuff that you're gonna be watching after this discussion, put it on your to-do list. (laughs) Well, no, I'm, I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna definitely move it up. Uh, today was a pretty full day for uh, collecting, um, because, so today Avengers Endgame came out, so I went and picked that up, and then while I was there, I found the last copy of Detective Pikachu's, like, fancy steel book. So I got that. That was an awesome movie, by the way, I love that. Um, I mean... I have, like, a huge history of Pokemon, so that's probably why. Uh, and then, uh, but I lead a Battle Angel movie that was, like, totally sold out. Like, there was a steelbook for that just kind of randomly sitting there. And, oh, um... Nice. I picked well, that up. The, the fan bo- well, the fan base that the Alita movie has, like, online, because I tend to... I kind of like getting involved in, like, political fights online. <laughs> And uh, the people, the people that like Aelita are like the really like hardcore, you know, we hate Captain Marvel because she's a girl crowd. So all of them were like, you know, go see Aelita instead of Captain Marvel. So it's kind of permanently ruined for me. But the steelbook is very expensive on eBay, so I can make at least twenty bucks hawking it. <laughs> so <laughs> hey hey. Well, I mean, this is an expensive hobby. We got to pay for it somehow. Uh, somebody who's seen the original Alita, it's uh, I, I'm curious, but it would take um, it takes it would take a, a cheaper version for me to even bother watching it. Um, Alita was uh, was originally a cartoon. It, it's uh, it was based on 
anime. Yes. Yeah. Uh, That's why so, I like it. It's, mm-hmm. uh, uh, even the art style, the original art style had her looking like alien-like because they made her look anime with the huge eyes and, and such, but they, they reduced that a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. I know that much, uh, but yeah. And I've seen the original anime and I've read the source material, but I'm still kind of leery about because a lot of times when they adapt anime to live action, it crashes and burns hard. Uh, so I have Every a hard Dragon Ball movie. <laughs> that, the original one, the the original Dragon Ball movie is uh, actually quite hilarious to watch because it is. Uh, as long as you don't take it seriously. I was gonna say it's still pretty awful. But... Oh, it's awful! It's a terrible movie, but it's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. I I only remember like Dragon Ball. I never. I still haven't seen Dragon Ball Evolution because everyone has told me to avoid it at all costs. And yeah, I remember right. I was reading an interview once with the screenwriter. And he was like, "Oh yeah, I'd actually never seen Dragon Ball or Dragon Ball Z, and I don't think I watched them when I was writing it." It's like, yeah, wow. The anime films. I kind of know the characters' names. That's good enough, right? Wow. Uh, oh, my God. Good shit. I'm kind of late here. Should we do favorites or anything? Favorite scene? Oh. I already did my favorite when, you know, he confesses to it's like, yeah, I created the virus that's, you know, crippled Japan, crippled the nation. And it's like, what? <laughs> I'm, <laughs> and she goes and finds this implement of... War from feudal Japan <laughs> comes after him with it. Uh, like I, I just enjoyed that so much. So oh, yeah. this movie did have a lot to like. So go nuts, guys! And like the scene where she's calling everyone and saying, "Hey, by the way, hey, you remember me? Hey, like she literally knows everyone, and she's just kind of not even really putting on the pressure. Just kind of, you know, it'd be really nice if." You know, that sort of thing, but... Um, Prime Minister, yes! <laughs> yes. And then one little scene that we haven't mentioned just always makes me laugh. I think every time I've seen the movie, I've laughed. That's when they get to the house, and he meets one of Natsuki's... I, I think it's Natsuki's grandmother or her great-aunt. I'm not sure which. But she's, she's Sake's daughter, and I can't remember her name. But he meets her, and he's like, congratulations on your 90th birthday. And she gets this look of horror, like... <laughs> it's my <laughs> mother's birthday. My oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's an awkward moment. <laughs> I, I do that to people all the time. Like, I can't tell human ages, like, very well at all. Uh, I went to a flashback weekend... Oh, mm-hmm. horror convention recently and I met Sean Clark the guy who does the horrors hollowed grounds extras mm-hmm. on like all the Shot Factory DVDs and he was like well I turned 49 pretty soon and I was like really and I'm like looking at him and it's like I thought you were like 35 tops and he's like hey uh, but I just can't tell like human ages I am so bad if you don't get the age wrong give them an extra 10 years or so I think in this case he took away about 30 <laughs> Well, uh, you know, I used to work in an animal shelter, and my boss, um, she looked really, 
Well, she was like a four pack a day smoker or something like that. And it's like, how old? And I was talking to a coworker, and the coworker was like, how old do you think our boss is? Like 45. It's, she's 22. Are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> uh, probably shouldn't have shared mm. that story. Wow. <laughs> I have to say, my favorite uh, scene was the part where. Um, Kenji uh, turns uh, turns around and talks to the grandmother about, uh, about uh, uh, you know how much he enjoyed uh, everything, even though uh, though everybody thinks he's the uh, the cyber hacker. Uh, by this point, uh, uh, point it's a very humbling speech. So, yeah. Um, anyone else? Um, my favorite actually is the, um, well, there is a, a particular scene when the grandmother actually is calling all the people to arrange for, basically, she's got her, this is war, uh, <laughs> I am getting into this mode, and it just, to me, is an amazing uh, group of scenes, so it just is an amazing thing to watch. Okay. And, uh, Jake, you already said yours, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Alrighty. Uh, I think on that note, we'll wrap uh, things up here. So, um, I think we've said everything that needs to be s uh, said, unless uh, anyone else thinks that uh, we've missed something. Well, I just, I'm just going to make a quick little footnote here. The one thing about this film that will always kind of rankle me a little bit is that this was a good example of the Oscars just totally messing things up. They had one movie short of having a field of five that year, and I do believe this one entangled got robbed of nods because of that. But at any rate... <laughs> no, Oscars are always a mess. <laughs> yeah, they are. I mean, Hosoda <laughs> did get a Oscar nod. Uh, it just uh, took a while longer. Finally. He got an Oscar nod this past year with uh, Mirai. Uh, and uh, that, um, to me, that's, that is an amazing accomplishment, regardless, because you've got a Japanese film director that got a nod that is not Studio Ghibli and is not even remotely related to Disney. That is an impressive thing. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Alrighty. On that, I'm going to uh, t uh, talk to Dustin. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do? Well, uh, I'm a horror collector living here in Milwaukee while I go to grad school. Uh, and I have my own YouTube channel at The Crypt of Horrors, so where I try to just show off some of my collection. I do the same thing on Instagram, also at the Crypt of Horrors, because we're, you know, branding and stuff. Uh, and I hang out on Twitter as, you guessed it, the Crypt of Horrors. Uh, pretty frequently. So, uh, been pretty inconsistent with uploads, but we're working on some stuff to try and change that. Because uh, it's, uh, it's been a pretty busy summer, but, uh, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna try to do some stuff. It'll be a good time. Good. Uh, yeah, I think that's about it for me. 
And I appreciate you coming on this week. Uh, a week. Uh, I know anime is kind of outside your bro. Uh, yeah, I um, like. I feel like I kind of outgrew a lot of anime in the last ten or I, so years. I thought I did too at one point in t- uh, time, and my my view has always been uh, skewed as far as anime goes because uh, because it's cartoons you know it, it it's it's stuff well, i mean i've never i've never thought of them as like cartoons i actually hate the word cartoon like <laughs> i i wish that word would disappear like because it yeah. has it has such negative connotations to it like i just i hate i hate it when people call cartoons call it a car- call stuff cartoons animation <laughs> that's better good yeah. good work Animation, uh, animation, whether it's from another country or, or, or uh, from the United States or from Uganda, I, I, I don't care which. Uh, uh, I've uh, uh, animation has always gotten a bad rap. Uh, there's some, there's some movie. I think it's from Uganda. It's called Who Killed Captain Alex, and it is spectacular. It like it's basically somebody's attempt to make like action movies with. No budget, like knowing with like people they know using salvaged equipment, and it's actually pretty. It's a pretty sweet comedy if you watch it like that. And it's like, wow, this kicks butt! I love this. Remember, we were a DVD thingy that something weird put out, uh, uh, which uh, shall be interesting. <laughs> so, um, but um, going on to. Uh, Brandon, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do, and then going to, and then Jake after him. Uh, I'm Septim Sen of Septim Sen versus the World. Uh, we are a channel that uh, talks about uh, movies uh, and other types of media, uh, specifically though physical media. We're all about those uh, DVDs and Blu-rays. We do various pickup videos. Uh, we talk about what's coming out in the community. And, of course, we uh, do top ten lists. Uh, we do uh, uh, very, We do an entertainment podcast where we talk about uh, a lot of the things we've watched, news items, and such. Uh, we have um, gotten back into the, uh, into the uh, lineup this week where we are... Uh, talking about um, well, our normal, like uh, basic pickups and news after the 100th episode uh, that we did last week. So we're back into the swing of things, and uh, I-, I hope everybody enjoys. Okay. Right. Hey guys, I'm going to check out. i got to go take care of something. Okay. Alright, so, right, like, share, and subscribe to our stuff. Um, I think if I hit end call, it doesn't end for everybody, right? Just log out. Uh, you should be able to. All right. Still on? Yep. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm Kodabuki Jake. I am a uh, collector and fan of movies, anime, uh, television, what have you. Um, other physical media as well, manga, CDs, what have you. Uh Frequently guest on Septum Sin vs. the World, and have a lot of fun with that, of course. And looking forward to uh, 
Well, we've got some simple videos coming up soon, but they'll be fun. <laughs> and of course, you know, check out some of the big ones that we've done recently, like Brandon said. Um, of course, I do have my own channel, Code Bookie Jake, which is dedicated to nature and the natural world when I can be bothered to update it. I'm usually way too busy just recording stuff directly onto iNaturalist and forget to do my little videos, but every now and then, <laughs> there'll be one. And, um, and then, of course, just uh, enjoy doing this whenever we get the chance to. I know next week we'll be doing your name, yes? Yes. I believe I'm doing the lead on that one. Yep. So, it should sure. be a lot of fun. Makoto Shinkai's modern classic film. Uh, <clears throat> Kimi no Nainoa, I believe it is. But uh, <laughs> look forward to that. I, I certainly am. Alrighty. And uh, my name is David Stregge. Uh, uh Sometimes I host Inside Movies Galore. I'm the founding father of it. But uh, uh, it is basically a group for all of us uh, uh, to enjoy uh, talking about films and uh, what, uh, whatnot. And, um, we just have fun talking. Uh, uh, from there, uh, I do uh, video reviews myself on Delusions of Grandeur. And uh, sometimes uh, I go on with Septim Sin and uh, uh, Kobuki Jake from time to time. And uh, lately I just did a interview with uh, Tony Tex Watt, who uh, has done a bunch of independent f uh, films, which I'm trying to edit to get out, uh, out there. It's just I've got to clear my computer of uh, erasable crap uh, that I can get off my computer. So uh, in any case... Uh, like, share, and subscribe. Thank you for listening, and hopefully you've enjoyed our Anime August uh, uh, movie for tonight. Uh, so uh, definitely check out Your Name, which uh, uh, we, we will be discussing next week. Um, and uh, hopefully uh, uh, you've enjoyed our uh, journey through the uh, this anime episodes. So thank you so much. Have a good evening. Say good night, everyone. Good night. All right. Nice job, Kermit. Thank you. Nice job, Kermit. Thank you. Nice job, Kermit. Thank you. Nice job,